Hi, everybody. This is Victor Agreta. And on this week's Coders, we're going to be talking about e-commerce and wireless and how they interact. So join us. Nexius, accelerating network and business transformation. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Coders. Uh, this week, I'm joined in the studio with John Davis. Nice to meet Hello. you. And uh, so he is a, uh, well, you've done a number of different things. You've actually worked in game design or game development, I should say. Uh, you've, you've done uh, AI stuff, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is, we are talking to a real deal coder this week, not just somebody who, you know, plays around with Xcode or whatever, Swift. Um, so John, what are you doing right now? Uh, right now I work at uh, Jewelry Television. Uh, I'm the senior developer there and uh, tech lead uh, for our e-commerce department. Uh, that includes working on uh, basically all the customer facing um, aspects of JTV other than the television show itself. Uh, mobile apps, Roku, the website, um, pretty much anything you'd see that's not the television show. Right. You know, it's it's interesting to me because Jewelry Television has been in Knoxville for a very long time. Um, mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where, you know, if you're not in that sort of world, you may not realize what this thing is, but this is actually, it's over the air, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people can tune in and it's a, it's like a shopping network for jewelry and whatnot. Um, and what's interesting is that since they've been around so long, you know, they were around before e-commerce was really big, right? They were doing sure. just the phone lines and all of that. And so now you've got a web presence. And then now as mobile is rolled out, you guys have really tried to put yourself in front of as many screens as possible. So it's like, you know, people got this through TV uh, and they could call and they could do that traditional thing. But you guys have really sort of maneuvered so that you keep up with the technological advances that are out there. So. Uh, first of all, tell me a little bit about, I'm interested, you mentioned Roku. Mm -hmm. So there's a Roku app? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, we actually developed that uh, a couple of years ago, uh, but before I, I came on board, actually. Uh, uh, but it's a, it's a basic, uh, you know, view the, view the show, and then you can jump over to buy the products directly from, uh, you know, your TV. Oh, cool. Right on. So um, and so uh, with mobile applications, what's, what platforms do you support right now? Uh, right now, it's iOS and Android. Um, and uh, we're looking into Windows Phone development too. Um, actually, playing around with uh, looking at a, a few different uh, frameworks that might help us hit a lot of targets with one code base. But uh, right now, we're still in that separated iOS, Android, sure, you know, yeah, everything else. Uh, what's well, your What's your feeling on that in terms of you know because there's like Mono and, and there's mm -hmm. a number of different ones. Uh, so, what is your feeling on that? Because in in the past on the show, we've talked to people. And we've talked about the virtues of, you know, staying in Xcode or staying, mm -hmm. you know, staying in those in environments where you're really able to fully utilize all the frameworks. And especially, you know, Apple's really big on announcing new frameworks. They want you to use all kinds mm -hmm. of goofy animations, whatnot. How much does that matter to you guys in terms of staying in there? Or do you really see a, a huge benefit in switching over to this, like, you know, code once and then kind of tweak it to deploy in multiple ways? Right. Uh, well, uh because of how uh, our uh, development sort of works at, at JTV, uh, oftentimes we're jumping from one project to another for, uh, on, on a weekly basis, so we have to work really iteratively. Uh, so while, while there is a huge benefit to just developing the code once and being able to put it out there, there's uh, a lot of hurdles um, 
especially with processing a video and uh, specific things that we need, you know, specific libraries for each yep. um, platform that, that, that kind of are, are big hitches to just jumping right into that boat right now. Yeah, that's uh, now speaking of video, you know, this is the thing. You guys are a video driven product, basically, you know, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, so, you know, you guys are selling stuff via video and whatnot. People are using the e-commerce side of things. How do you handle that with mobile? You know, given the fact that mobile right now, anyway, data has a lot of restrictions on it, whatnot. Most of the carriers don't have unlimited data plans even at all anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you how do you guys deal with that? How do you think about that? Well, um, there's a few ways. Uh, first, we look look at uh, sending different bit rates and different um, uh, encodings to different devices and uh, so, so forth. Being smart also about, um, uh, you know, when, when an app's in the background, of course, you want to shut off the video mm -hmm. and then jump back off where you, where you came uh, came in. Um, but other than that, we, we don't pay too much attention to that. Uh, we kind of leave that up to the customer other than small decisions that you just should make anyways. Sure. Yeah. Well, for any, for any app. I mean, it's it's interesting to me too because whoops, sorry about that. Uh, it's interesting to me too because um, what you what ends up happening is uh, at least in my life, I've got a teenage daughter, and so she will get on Instagram and not realize that she's using all this data because she's got. That's not your guys' problem. That's Instagram's problem, but and it's my problem as a parent. Um, but so what's interesting is that so they can watch stuff on there, um, but then they can also buy through that. Right. 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 And uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys manage that process of the ordering online and, you know, versus because some of these deals are sort of time based. Right. 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 And uh, so, how, you know, how do you how do you maneuver that or how do you think you guys think about that? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting how we do it. Um, uh, since we are an older company that's sort of moving into being mobile ready and um, going down that road a little more incrementally than you've been just starting off and saying, oh, we, we know we need to have everything built towards this mentality mm -hmm. uh, to start off with. Um, we, we have, to, uh, we have our, our system set up in a weird way where we have the, the system of record, uh, which, which, you know, our enterprise data, which gets uh, passed along to the website and then passed along to the mobile apps. Um, rather than directly hitting yeah. the, the enterprise data. So we do have uh, s some difficulties there with uh, the time-based offers not quite matching up mm -hmm. uh, simply due to uh, our system not being designed to accommodate these needs. Sure. So we've done, we've done some good uh, like uh, workarounds uh, down that route, but uh, I'd say that the real thing that's stopping us there is not technological. It's more uh, business-based where we have to Get, get get the uh, since the show is so business driven and so their priorities change so quickly, it's hard to get them to realize. Oh, we need this functionality and we need that functionality now. Sure. Uh, or you know this we're going to have a bad customer experience. Um, uh, past that, uh, touching on the note of uh, uh, you know buying directly online and different sales, uh, it really does just sort of trickle down from the top all the way down to the bottom uh, to the website. Uh, so that, that's basically how that works. Yeah, various APIs we set up on each layer. Oh, that's excellent. And and you guys have a proprietary system, so to speak, of like proprietary. Uh, I mean, if it's trade secret, of course, you know, you don't have to talk about anything trade secret. But uh, but you guys do have a sort of proprietary internal system that you've built, mm -hmm. right? Um, well, actually, we have two. We have one that's uh, proprietary to someone else, like a third party oh, okay. proprietary, which uh, runs our website. 
uh, code demand layer. And then, uh, of course, all our other code is proprietary mm -hmm. to ourselves. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's a really interesting model with you guys because uh, this is, again, one of those things where it could have been a decision to say, well, you know what, we're not going to do the TV side, right? Because that's mm -hmm. obviously a cost. That's a fairly big expense, I would, I would guess. And uh, so we're not going to do the broadcast. We're just going to go mobile or whatnot. But do you see that the, and I mean, maybe you're a little biased, but do you see that those things really mesh fairly well with the mobile and, you know, and people can watch it sort of on demand? Right. Um, yeah, we're seeing a lot more people uh, starting to use their uh, mobile devices and uh, secondary devices as their primary devices or uh, watching the show and buying stuff when, when they're, uh, you know, out of the house, uh, especially since it's such a... Uh, an odd sort of uh, like niche of the TV market and right. the e-commerce e market too. So kind of a weird mutant. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely. I, I definitely say that uh, it's definitely starting to go that way. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're trying to get ready for it. Good deal. Well, I know people are really passionate about their gemstones and whatnot. And so it, it <laughs> is, it is really cool. I, I uh, grew up around here, went to college around here. And I remember late at night I, when I didn't have cable, I would, you know, pop that on and just, to like go to sleep actually uh so it was a, it's a great sleep remedy if you're not going to buy anything <laughs> um now going back a little bit uh i believe you worked with bungie mm -hmm. right yes, yes. uh tell us a little bit about uh, this is very fascinating to me from a game designer perspective mm -hmm. um but you were a developer and you worked on i think you said myth mm -hmm. um actually it was right when uh microsoft bought out oh. um bungie and so a lot of the they, they decided oh uh, they had uh, some prob they they owed uh, take two mm -hmm. uh, a bit of uh, money I guess or because of you know how it all happened I don't know I'm not a business businessy sort of guy and uh, so we ended up uh, a friend of mine ended up driving uh, down to California when they uh, well well to start off uh, you know I started working and doing small tools for uh, that ended up being and uh, content that ended up being put on Myth Two Worlds. Uh, which got shipped out by Take Two uh, shortly after they got bought out. I guess they were trying to make some of that money back mm -hmm. that they lost, and then uh, they ended up taking some uh, com community uh, coders and uh, content creators uh, from that project and making Myth Three. Oh wow! Which uh, wasn't the greatest success, and it kind of got shipped out a little buggy, uh, which is where more I come in. And then uh, I came in uh, with the Myth Developer team, which ended up. Uh, updating it for different platforms, fixing a, a huge amount of the bugs that were there, uh, that sort of thing. You know, okay, so speaking to that process, because the the bug squashing thing is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. I have railed pretty consistently on social media about iOS 8, and it is absolutely riddled with bugs. Uh, but of course, the funny thing is, is that iOS's code has expanded quite a bit from 2007 okay oh, so i mean you know it's it's a totally different beast now and i think that people who used to denigrate microsoft uh in the apple camp now are sort of coming to realize you know what maybe when you have a huge code base like that it's very difficult to maintain um there's another thing that happened i don't know if you know about this but when um oh the the guy before federighi uh left i can't write blanking on his name right now but he's a, a foreign gentleman i believe polish uh brilliant, brilliant computer scientists. But the way they used to do code releases was they would push out these monolithic glaciers, you know, slow moving, but like everything was in there. Sure. And if you noticed, most of the things 
were pretty solid, right? right? Now it's sort of like, okay, well, here's this, here's this, here's this. And so what you're seeing is a little bit of a fraying of the edges, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, in my opinion, and, and this is somebody who's followed Apple for 30 some years, um, I would say iOS 8, iOS 7 and 8 were some of the buggiest ever shipped. And that includes the old classic Mac OS, like uh, Mac 7, 8, those were pretty bad. <laughs> um, you know, but there was a lot of cruft, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. So it's, I know that people are very, very hard at work on squashing bugs at Apple. In fact, there was a recent update that kills like 20 security, there were like 20 security updates in it. It was amazing. So they're very, very dedicated to that on, with iOS 9. Um, and like a lot of people have called uh, the next version of OS 10 uh, Snow Mountain or, you know, something, because it's like, basically that's what it is. It's like, this is the bug fix right. for the previous OS. So as someone who came in and there's fires burning, and you've got to put all these fires out and, and bug crushing. Like, what is advice that you can give to developers in terms of prioritizing bugs and then going through and fixing those bugs reliably? Well, um, uh, unfortunately for me, it was a, a huge code base that I wasn't unfamiliar with. That, I mean, I was unfamiliar with uh, all in C, uh, a lot of it very low level, little little bits that were uh, uh, both processor or graphics card specific. Oh, gosh. Um, not, not 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 that great, you know. Com uh, comments in there, uh, so just getting your head around it, you know, what's going on. First step is you know necessary. Um, otherwise, you might be fixing bugs that aren't real bugs or bugs that um, you're 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 applying a, a patch to that doesn't really solve the problem, but right. looks like it solves the problem. Uh, as far as prioritizing, uh, my uh, stance has always been the uh, you know listen to the customer. And you know what people are complaining about. What uh, are the big issues? Um, things that affect, in my case, gameplay or uh, just that the de you know how the product functions itself mm -hmm. uh, would be the first to go go after. Um, and uh, you know j just the general stuff too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, what uh, what tools did you guys use back then to do uh, bog bugs or? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, it was mostly coded in Code Warrior. Um, and uh, we just had some, uh, I can't even remember the ticket tracking system yeah. that we used, but just some generic ticket tracker. You know, it's it's amazing to me, though, uh, you're talking about this stuff, and I'm thinking, like, gosh, that's the kind of stuff they had to do to eke out the performance. Because mm -hmm. Myth was a, a really fairly uh, computationally intense game because you oh, had definitely. so many things moving on the screen, and you had uh, a lot of blobs that had to make decisions about things mm -hmm. and whatnot. So there was, you know not ai but you know you know the the intelligence of the game uh, the game logic and then you had all the graphics stuff and even that was just a pseudo kind of 3d right it was it was more yeah. sprites but um yeah it, uh, originally uh myth was sort of like a, a weird tie between 3d where a lot of the physics worked in uh, 3d but uh we had to fake the 3d using a series of sprites that, yeah. that rotated around and yeah. uh, stuff like that um, eventually, when we got to Myth 3, we scrapped out a lot of that and uh, replaced it with mo a model base and a, a skeletal model uh, oh, cool. based off of uh, the Tiki system, which, uh, let's see, what's the game they used that? Alice McGee's. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or McGee's Alice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think I lost a question there, but. <laughs> well, no, that, 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 that's all interesting stuff to me. I, I'm, uh, I'm having flashbacks to my days of playing Myth, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I honestly, I can't remember. I know I played the original Myth, and I can't remember if I played Myth 3 or not. I'm sure my little brother did. Yeah. Um, and uh, But also, you know, the, the bug tracking aspect of those things. With games, I think it's an interesting phenomenon, uh, especially now 
you see a lot of games mm. shipping with pretty serious bugs. I mean, Batman yeah, was the the recent Batman for PC was a, just a nightmare. Uh, people with advanced graphics cards had to turn basically all the effects off, you know, to get the darn thing to even work right. Mm. Um, and so, how do you guys handle uh, things like bugs um, at, at JTV? JTV, um, we have a, a fairly like bureaucratic flow down mm -hmm. that uh, eventually, when the bugs come serious enough, uh, they, they come to my desk, yeah, and then right. I, I pass it out to whoever fixes it myself. Um, uh, of course, we have a QA, QA teams, mm -hmm. and we have user acceptance teams, and uh, such like that. But most often, it, it comes down to the customers end up complaining yeah. and coming up to us because uh, our priorities are changing so quickly right. that we'll be one week we'll be working on Android, and then for another month. We'll be working on the website or some, uh, you know, big Christmas sale thing. Or gotcha. Yeah. Oh, what. absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, it's. Uh, <laughs> I know that bug tracking is like the least glamorous aspect <laughs> of development, right? But it's also probably one of the most interesting to me because it, it handles all of the aspects of project management and you know, it, it's it's like a battle scenario, right? Sure, you you sure. jump into it and there's stuff going on and you have to figure out through the fog. I mean, maybe that's why fog bugs was called that. I don't know. Fog of war. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I will say that, you know, um, the way Apple does it is they have radar, you know, and mm -hmm. people file radars and those radars, what, what I think is really cool about the way that Apple does radar. Um, and they've done this since the eighties, actually, mm -hmm. uh, they will say, okay, here's the bug, here's the description. And then every engineer that works on it will, detail what they did and so some of that thought process is supposed to go into that documentation mm -hmm. and what i found out in talking to people in apple is that they even went back and scanned and did ocr to digitize some of the 80s stuff hmm. so the development of the mac the development of the lisa and whatnot they took those documents and they actually put them into their brain um, because the idea is that somebody who came up with a solution to something 30 years ago, that thought process, the technology's moved on, but the thought right. process is the same. Yeah, the logic is still going to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and it is interesting, that's, too. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because uh, just jumping back to the myth point of it, mm -hmm. uh, I remember finding bugs in the myth code that were uh, code that, that was, you know, patched in from Marathon or Pathways to Darkness or just like ancient <laughs> games that you would never imagine that code was still being used. But, great uh, game. Oh, definitely. Uh, a lot of good times there. Um, a lot of the the processes, though, the bugs, I'll, I'll see them again later in the myth code. I'm yeah. like, oh, uh, you know, and there are some development processes that, uh, you know, do like like you're talking about, they do a little strict, strict, stricter tracking and uh, that. But given our team size over at JTV and also yep. uh, uh, with the myth development, uh, both were fairly small or are fairly, both are and were fairly uh, small yeah. teams. Um, it's, it's just not feasible to go go down that road right uh we have uh, started Im implementing uh uh for example when you know an error is thrown we, we record the, the entire click path of that whole session or that whole uh use case and uh or rather build use cases out of that and then uh do some functional and uh, unit testing uh, off of that um on the enterprise side uh they, they tend to take a little more uh, business driven development approach and uh, instead of unit testing they have uh, uh, a business language uh, I believe it's, oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, uh, but it, it ends up running through Jenkins and then they get okay. a daily uh, report of all their things that have, may have regressed or uh, new bugs that don't meet the business cases. 
Do you guys use uh, agile development or just more of a hybrid kind mm -hmm. of? Um, it, it's uh, weird on the back of the uh, over on the enterprise side. Uh, the, the it's a, a little bit of a stricter um, agile development, but I, I really wouldn't call it agile development. It's sort of like a, a weird mutant. Yeah. Um, and and so is actually ours in ecom. Uh, we try we try we have to be agile, uh, but trying to stick to something like Scrum or. Um, right. Uh, any of the other uh, methodologies just it doesn't work out since our, our needs are changing so quickly yeah. that um, we having an interim an interim release is extremely important because we can't just set the project down for three months before we jump back on Android mm -hmm. um, and pick it up and expect it to be in a, a place where we can still remember how to work on it uh, without just be have, having a big series of bug quashing before we, we can start and sure. start again. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, you, 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 get, you get a little bit of Agile, but it is, again, like uh, sort of a realistic Agile where you, right. you never really see Agile as it is in the books or not too often. Um, yeah, it's funny because I was just reading the, you know, one of the creators of Scrum, his, his book. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's funny because he, like two thirds of the book is case study. Of, well, here's how we did this and we did this and we, you know, we followed the methodology exactly or whatever. And I'm like, my experience in interviewing people like yourself has been that almost no one does it like that yeah. everyone has this hybrid uh, approach to it that and, and in a lot of cases and especially yeah. in e-commerce sites it, it makes a little bit more sense to do this sort of combination of the traditional kind of waterfall because you have business objectives and you do have you know you have seasonal events and whatnot mm -hmm. so you have to tie yourself to certain things also you have an audience that maybe is not the most tech savvy so you can't just build something minimally functional <laughs> and ship it oh, out definitely. and then things are like what what's going on yeah so uh, that's cool. I, I, I think that Agile is a super, super great mindset, mm -hmm. but the implementation of it, I found, is just all over the board in terms of people. But oh, they find something that works. You know, it's like water finds its equilibrium. You know? Right, definitely. Um, and, and it's really important. With us. Of course, if I was uh, you know, setting up my own development team and I could call all the shots and didn't have to worry about business users or customers, or, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, oh, yeah, of course yeah. I do Agile all day. The test tube, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe for a hobby project, but... Um, Otherwise, there's definitely some reality that seeps into the theory there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been speaking with John Davis from Jewelry Television. And uh, John, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We will be back again next week at the same time and the same web address. So please join us. I've been Victor Agreta, and this has been Coders. Thanks. Coders is a production of RCR TV News. To reach Victor Agreta Jr. or to suggest a show topic for Coders, you can reach him on Twitter at SuperPixels. For all the latest news on wireless code and the whole world of wireless, check out rcrwireless.com.